Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Ask Father Josh. On today's episode, I'm going to just dedicate the whole episode to talking about the racial divide and what members of the body of Christ in the Catholic Church can do to help heal the racial divide in our nation that is at the forefront of a lot of our conversations. Over the past week, I have received a lot of questions, um, specifically from white members in the body of Christ, white Catholics, asking me um, how they can be used by God to help to heal this racial divide in our nation. There's clearly a racial divide in our nation. It's, it's on our computer screens, on our cell phone screens, it's on our TV screens. Uh, but I think in order to heal the racial divide, we have to first and foremost recognize that there isn't a huge division because George Floyd was killed this past week. Uh, there isn't a racial division just because Ahmaud Arbery was, was killed uh, a month ago. There's been a racial division in our nation for hundreds of years. I, I think it's really important to go back to the beginning and to, and to recognize that uh, this country was really founded upon, um, and this is hard to hear, but it's a historical reality, the slaughter of Native Americans, of indigenous peoples who are already living here. This country was, was founded upon um, enslavement of African Americans that lasted for 250 years. And then whenever that enslavement happened, it was the law of the land for, the, for black people to be slaves. And it wasn't just like servants. I mean, they were like slaves. They were treated less than human. Whenever slavery ended, um, racial terrorists began to hang black people during the reconstruction years uh, all the time. There are monuments and shrines dedicated to this in our country. And then whenever, um, and then, then after that, the laws were again put in place in our country called Jim Crow laws that, again, it continued to perpetuate the racial divide because it said blacks and whites couldn't, you know, eat and play and work and pray in um, the same place as white people. Blacks and whites cannot be together. Um, and it, it was the law. So, like, legally, there's been a, a divide. There's been a divide in our nation uh, for hundreds of of years. And again, now it's come to the surface. It's, it's a part of our conversation that we're having as a, as a church right now, because many of us have witnessed the death of Ahmad Arbery. We've witnessed his death. We witnessed a father and a son um, chase him and, and shoot him and kill him. Uh, we, we've, we've witnessed the video of the young woman in the park who, who called the cops on an African-American man and lied, lied on him and said that he was threatening her life and that she was scared because of that. And, and subsequently, she lost her job and uh, the rescue job dog she was walking was taken away from her. We, we witnessed uh, George Floyd die. Like he was killed. He was killed by Derek Chauvin, an officer of the law. And he was handcuffed and the officer had his, his knee on his, his neck for nine minutes and he, he, he died. And people said, take your knee off his neck. He can't breathe. And he didn't. And the, and the man died. And, and, and for me to watch that, it was traumatic. And it brought back all my own memories of my own times that I've been harassed and I've been um, followed while shopping. I've been harassed by members of the law enforcement. And I say that with respect to like the, of my own father, who was the captain of the of the Baton Rouge City Police. I say that with respect to the reality that I have collaborated with members of law enforcement for years. So I'm not saying this is like an anti-police message, but it is something that I think we have to acknowledge that there are members in our 
community, members of the body of Christ who are, who are traumatized when we, when we witnessed men and, and women who are made in the image of God be killed on camera. It's just, it, it, it's traumatic and it brings back all of my own stuff. And I know for a lot of other members of the body of Christ, a lot of other people of color, it, um, it also brings up their own trauma that they've experienced. Uh, and I know it's not isolated to me as, as a priest. There are other priests, uh, other black priests who have experienced this as well. There's black bishops, but Bishop Edward Braxton of Belleville, Illinois. I mean, he's written about this, about times where he was pulled over um, as, a, as a priest and as a bishop for, for driving in a predominantly white neighborhood, um, visiting his people in his, in his parish, in his diocese. And he was pulled over for no other reason than because of the color of his skin, because um, of the color of his skin. And it's just painful. It's so painful and it's hard and it's traumatic. And um, there's no real easy answer, but I've, I've reflected a lot on this as to, to, to why. Like, why is it that a father and a son could see Ahmaud Arbery and their first reaction is to assume the worst, to assume he stole and to chase him down with a gun and to shoot him. And why would a woman call the cops on a man who was trying to fraternally correct her for breaking the law? And why would Derek Chauvin, uh, a member of the law enforcement, uh, treat George Floyd so terrible? And I think what it comes down to is that some people... Uh, in our country, I'm not saying all people, I'm not even saying you who are listening to the podcast, but some people in our country don't view people of color as the body of Christ. They just don't. Um, they don't view people of color the way God the Father views them. They don't see people of color as God's beloved sons and daughters. They don't see people of color as men and women made in the, in the image of God who are members of the same body of Christ um, as white people. And because of this, I think, is why sometimes people assume the worst when they see a person of color. I, I think that if the father and son who killed Ahmaud Arbery saw him as as the body of Christ, maybe they wouldn't have treated him that way. Maybe they wouldn't have, have assumed the worst. If that young lady would have saw the man who fraternally corrected her in the park as a member of the body of Jesus Christ, then maybe she wouldn't have lied on him and called the cops on him. If Derek Chauvin saw George Floyd as, as the body of Christ, then maybe he would not have kept his knee on his neck for nine minutes as he was dying. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they don't see people of color as the body of Christ, and maybe they're not the only ones uh, who struggle to see people of color as the body of Christ. And so I think in order to to console the heart of Jesus, we, we have to say, like, Jesus, like, I know that 2,000 years ago, when your body was in the garden of Gethsemane and you were experiencing agony and you were suffering and you were sorrowful to death and there were people around you, the apostles who knew you and they chose not to check on you and they chose not to, to say, hey, Jesus, you look different today. Something's wrong. You look like you're just not the same as you were a few hours ago. Jesus, what's going on? The apostles chose not to even check on you. They, they were clueless. They were clueless to your suffering, and you were suffering right there in their community. We can't do anything about that because we weren't there. But what we can do is we can say, like, there are members of the body of Christ right now who are suffering in America and who have been suffering in America for a very long time. And we can um, we can console Jesus and his body right now. We can say, Jesus, I want to do something right now. 
I want to be attentive to your face right now. I want to hear your voice right now and your people who are suffering from the sins of racism. Because uh, if we really begin to see our brothers and sisters as the body of Christ, then, then, then we're going to respond to them in, in such a way. So how do we see our brothers and sisters as the body of Christ? Uh, there's a, a prayer I perceived the Holy Spirit share with me um, while I was praying before the Blessed Sacrament called the Litany of the Body of Christ. I just I perceived it in prayer. I, it might be of the Lord. It might not. Um, I'm not infallible. But in this litany, it's basically like this. And again, the people who've been reaching out to me over the past week are white Catholics who are trying to console the heart of Jesus or trying to heal the racial divide. So this was specifically for them, um, but it could be used for other people as well. But I'm speaking specifically to them right now who have been reaching out to me to write a litany of the body of Christ where you you write the name of a black person or brown person and you, you put their name and say, is the body of Christ. So you write, George Floyd is the body of Christ. George Floyd is the body of Christ. George Floyd is the body of Christ over and over and over and over and over again. Because the way that we pray will affect the way that we think, what we believe. And our beliefs will um, inspire and motivate our actions. If I really believe in the depths of my heart that this person of color um, in my community is the body of Christ, then that's going to change the way that I speak about them, the way that I treat them, the way that I pray for them and fast for them, the way that I listen to their stories, the way that I believe the stories that I've heard that they've shared with me, the way that I have asked them how I could work with them, collaborate with them, using my gifts, my resources, my charisms that I received at baptism, along with theirs to, to address these racial injustices, institutional racism, which is rooted in um, written rules, policies, and unwritten rules, practices that continue to accommodate one group of people and give access to one group of people and, and deny access and discriminate against and alienate another group of people for no other reason than because of the color of their skin. I would be willing, if I really believe that this is the body of Christ and that I was being given an opportunity right now to heal those wounds and to, to work with them, to work with Jesus' body, to bring about racial healing and reconciliation, then, then I would. Then I would. I, but I have to first and foremost really believe in the depths of my heart that this is the body of Christ. Uh, and so if we can pray that litany, I would say every day, like every single day, like like add that to your prayers. If, you, if, if your prayer style is Lexio Divina or the Rosary, um, add the litany of the body of Christ to that as well. And then again, like, but we can't, we can't emphasize how we need to pray because... Like prayer is the most important thing that we could do. And so again, uh, I, I released the rosary of re racial reconciliation a few weeks ago. Uh, in addition to the litany of the body of Christ, pray that rosary daily, daily. The Blessed Mother um, is so powerful and the devil hates Mary because because of her, yes, Jesus Christ has crushed his head. And so I was speaking with an exorcist about this and, and he was saying how the devil hates the rosary. And so I would encourage you to pray the, that rosary of racial reconciliation again and again and again recite and write a litany of the body of christ daily 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 um, whenever you are praying your rosary go about praying that rosary in different neighborhoods in your geographical boundaries of wherever you live and pray the rosary and encounter people in the streets of their neighborhoods uh, in the context of community uh, when you go to mass uh, offer this up as your intention for mass and don't just stay at your own parish but 
but look into your diocese and see if your diocese like specifically has predominantly black or brown parishes. If your parish is predominantly white, then I would encourage you like try to go out and find a parish that is predominantly black or brown and worship there consistently like once a month or twice a month with your family and get to know those members of the body of Christ, those brothers and sisters in the body of Christ on their terms and their worship places and spaces uh, and, and have community and fellowship with them there. Like don't always ask them to, to come to, to, to maybe your, your place of worship, but go to their masses as well and pray before the blessed sacrament, pray holy hours of reparation. Um, not only for um, maybe your potential sins, like maybe you have, have some sins of omission or commission with regards to to participating in in practices and policies, supporting those practices and policies that continue the racial divide that began with slavery and everything. But but maybe not. Maybe you can spend that time in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, repenting for other people's sins in the body of Christ. As, as a priest, I do this all the time. As a priest, I repent for other people all the time. It's biblical. It's biblical to do this. So not just repent of our sins, but to repent for other people in the body of Christ, to make reparation for other people's sins as well, right? Whenever a person comes to me to confession, one of the things that I do is I take on a penance for them. I, I hear their confession and then I take on a penance. And so uh, I didn't commit their sins, but I, I, I do penances for other people in the body of Christ. And so I would encourage you, yeah, to, to, to do the same, to, to begin to take on penances, not only for your potential things that you may or may not have done, but also for you, for other people in the body of Christ, for priests and religious and lay leaders um, and laity uh, who have offended Jesus and, and hurt him um, because of their participation and in systems or because of racial slurs or because of discrimination uh, or whatever it may be. Um, prayer is the first thing that we should always do and we should always prioritize. And it's not something we should only pray about whenever people are rioting or people are like protesting and it makes some people uncomfortable, but it's something that we should do all the time. And this is a, a specific um, intercessory prayer that we should focus on in this country because this country's like the demon that has oppressed the United States of America for hundreds of years is like the demon of racism. And so like this is the country, the demon that we're fighting up against. We know our enemy. We know who we're fighting against. So go to those masses and worship God and have those in intentions and pray those those rosaries of racial reconciliation and, and, um, and, and recite the litany of the body of Christ daily because we want to begin to see all of our brothers and sisters the way that God sees them. We want to know them the way God knows them. We want to love them the way that God loves them. We want to be able to to literally like be intentional with going out to all members of the body of Christ and listening to them well and collaborating with them. Every member of the body is necessary. Speaking of listening, um, another thing that I encourage people to do who are trying to find ways to console the heart of Jesus and bring about racial healing and reconciliation is to not put all of the weight on our black brothers and sisters and our brown brothers and sisters to like be there to answer all of our questions, but to also like do our own research and, and listen to, to what other people have said ab about the topic of, of the racial divide in our nation. Even if we don't agree with everything these presenters are saying, I think it's still helpful to lean into their wisdom because we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. So just because we don't agree with everything somebody says, we should still open our hearts up to listen to what people are saying so that we can then take it to prayer with Jesus and the sacred scriptures and the catechism of the Catholic Church and before the Blessed Sacrament and then pray after we've listened to other voices. Uh, so one voice I would encourage a lot of people to listen to is a voice, a uh, documentary. 
to watch a documentary called The 13th. Uh, it's on Netflix. If you are boycotting Netflix, which I know some people are, uh, then go to a friend's house who has Netflix and watch it. It's a powerful documentary. Again, I'm not saying I support everything in it, but it does have a lot of good stuff in it uh, that could help you better understand uh, what we're up against, just the reality of what we're up against in this nation. If we want to heal the racial divide, we have to know what we're what we're trying to to work for. So we have to know where the enemy, the devil, has has perpetuated division. And that's a great documentary, a great tool. Another thing that you could do is to read articles. There are so many articles out there. Again, I don't agree with everything that is said in all these articles, but there are a lot of articles that are written uh, about the topic. One is written by Robin D'Angelo called White Fragility. I think you might find it helpful. Another thing is to read books. There's a book called The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Again, I'm not saying I agree with everything that she writes in the book. I don't. However, there is a lot of good in there that can help to enlighten us, um, members of the body of Christ, to, to the reality of how deep the racial divide really goes, and especially the ways in which it's perpetuated through the legal system. To listen to podcasts, I've recorded a number of podcasts uh, speaking about the racial divide. So to go back in like the history of uh, the archives of this podcast and to listen to those different shows and again to, to pray, pray, pray the, the rosary of racial reconciliation and follow different voices on Twitter. Like look at your Twitter and pay attention to who you follow right now. And if you're not following any black or brown voices in the church, uh, then I would encourage you to start to follow them. There are a number that you can lean into. Gloria Purvis is one of them. Myself, uh, Chica is another one. Aver Maria Santo is another one. Uh, there's just there's a number of black voices that you might want to expose yourself to uh, that you might not already be following on Instagram and on Twitter and on social media. One thing that we do really well in the Catholic Church is we, we take pilgrimages um, to holy shrines. I've been to uh, Fatima and I've been to Lourdes and I've been to a number of pilgrimages. I, I do a, a pilgrimage to the March for Life um, year after year with the Diocese of Baton Rouge where we march for life. Uh, for the unborn babies and for their mothers, I would encourage you to, to also include a pilgrimage to the Equal Justice Initiative Museum, the Legacy Museum in Montgomery, Alabama. It's a beautiful museum that's painful, but beautiful, and it's hard to be in, but beautiful. And I would encourage you to just take your parish, go with friends, uh, do a road trip there and pray the rosary as you're going there and um, and listen to to, to podcast on your trip up there and watch documentaries on your trip up there and then go there and spend a day or two there in the museum, the Legacy Museum. It will open your eyes up to just the, the, the ways in which our system in America has perpetuated racial division. Um, that, uh, and, and, and you can be inspired as the body of Christ to, to be motivated to, to, to work then for, for more change, for more healing, for more reconciliation. Uh, protest. Protest. Um, country clubs and Mardi Gras balls and frats and sororities and swimming pools that don't allow diverse membership. Withhold your, your money from them. If you don't give them your money, then they will potentially change their practices. Like there are still country clubs in America that have a practice that they will only allow white membership. They do not allow black and brown people to be members. So protest those country clubs. There are Mardi Gras balls in New Orleans, Louisiana that are white only Mardi Gras balls. Protest those Mardi Gras balls if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ and don't go. There are frats and sororities at LSU. Uh, uh, the KAs is a fraternity at LSU. Uh, they have a practice of white only membership, right? Uh, it's not a written rule. It's an unwritten practice, though. There are swimming pools in Louisiana that are still uh, divided by race. So, like, find out, like, look into 
your community and find out what groups, what institutions, what uh, businesses are still finding ways to self-segregate and and protest those by not giving them your money and by speaking out against them. Even withhold your money from conferences that don't, Catholic conferences that don't have diverse speakers. One of the most powerful things that I witnessed last year was one of my good friends. uh, She was in her diocese was hosting a a conference and she reached out to the organizers of that conference. And she said, if you do not have diverse speakers and diversity of color, um, you can't come to my diocese because my diocese has women from all different backgrounds, all the black, white, Asian, Latino, indigenous. Right. And I want them, the women that come to this conference to see something more than just a bunch of white speakers because I want all the women to recognize like to hear a speaker who can look like them and it was beautiful that the that organization did that and they did that and she said if you don't do that then you can't come to my diocese so it's like we need to begin to tell these conferences that are right now a lot of them are online but especially Catholic conferences that happen in our dioceses like tell the, the event organizers and leadership team like if you're not going to have diverse speakers like because I know I like right now I speak at conferences and Chica speaks at conferences and Avera is doing that or whatever Deacon Harrell's doing it there's a few of us who are doing it Deacon Larioni but there's so many more who are not being invited to speak. There's so many more people of color who are beautiful disciples of Jesus Christ, beautiful Catholics who have a gift of evangelization who are not being invited to speak. And so withhold your money. Say, you know what? I'm not going to go to that conference if they don't have people that look like the body of Christ in heaven. If they're, if, they're, if the conference doesn't look like the body of Christ in heaven, then I don't want to go to it until they change that. So we can uh, really have an impact on our church um, and on the conferences that way as well. Uh, who's at the leadership table for those conferences? Are there people of color or is it just one group of people who are making decisions that are going to affect people of color potentially in a negative way? Uh, when it comes to um, Catholic schools, I, I encourage you to to check the handbook policies. There might be rules in there that might be discriminatory, especially against African-American women with regards to like hair policies and check out the artwork that's in those schools, artwork that's in your church that you go to worship at. Like, does your church have diverse artwork? Does your school have diverse artwork? Um, because if it doesn't, then that would really be a conversation that you should start to have with the leadership at your church, with the leadership at your school, because the people who live in the geographical boundaries of that church, if they come there and they don't see themselves represented in the saints or in the angels or in Jesus and Mary and Joseph, if they, if they just see everything that is holy is depicted as white and everything that is not holy is depicted as black or brown, i.e. Satan, who is typically depicted as a black or brown man being stepped on by a white man with blonde hair and blue eyes, like that could really push a lot of people away. Like imagine how create how, how powerful this would be. What if in your church the image of, of Saint Michael was of a black man stepping on a white devil? That would catch everybody's attention. They would say, Why is it that way? That's not right. That's how many of us people of color have felt for years uh, in the in the Catholic Church. We're like, why can't you just repaint Satan a different color? Like why can't he be a non human color? Because he's not a human, he's a demon. <laughs> so I would encourage you to like to, to address those questions with your church and then also with your school to like look into the curriculum. Uh, what are the students learning about? Who are they learning from? What resources are they using? Are they using any resources from any black and brown Catholics or is it just European Catholics? Um, are, are, is the history in that school going to address the reality of slavery in America and the Jim, the Jim Crow laws or, or is it not? Uh, so I think it's really important to, to to make sure that we're holding our schools accountable for for teaching the, the truth and all the truth 
uh, when it comes to protests, just like we go to the March for Life every year, join peaceful protest in your community. Uh, be present to other members of the body of Christ who are leading peaceful protest for change. Um, I would also encourage you uh, to to after you've done research and you you've you've prayed and you fasted and you've done holy hours of reparation and you've done research of listening and pilgrimaging and everything like that and uh, to to then um, sit with your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who are who are people of color, uh, invite them over for dinner, for breakfast, for coffee, and if if they are able to, if they're not too traumatized from the events that are happening. Uh, to, to invite them to share their stories after you've done your own research uh, into the reality of, of just the divide that has, has been the law of the land in this country. Listen to their stories because of the body of Christ and pray with them and fast with them and pray for them and fast for them, believe their stories, and then sincerely um, invite them to collaborate with you. Like what kind of power do you have in your community what kind of resources do you have? What kind of natural gifts do you have? Connections do you have? And also, what are your supernatural charisms that you receive at your baptism? Invite them to uh, share their natural gifts and their resources, and their their supernatural charisms with you so that together you can try to change laws. Uh, what what we really need to do is we, we really need to focus on uh, not just being nice. Like First Corinthians says that love is patient, love is kind, and that's true. But also, like, in addition to being patient and kind with people, manifesting love that way, Thomas Aquinas also defines love as desiring the greatest good for our brothers and sisters, which is ultimately to be saints in heaven. But uh, what stops many people from um, even caring about what the church has to say about heaven is that the church doesn't seem to care about their temporal sufferings because of, uh, because of redlining, because of neighborhoods that are segregated, because they're not allowed to buy houses in certain neighborhoods, because they're not allowed to get certain jobs, because they're not uh, in, invited into certain schools, because of all these different, these different practices and policies, and begin to collaborate with them uh, to, to reform unjust laws, to reform unjust laws. Not just to get together and hold hands and sing Kumbaya with each other, but to reform unjust laws by collaborating with each other and praying with each other and discerning how you can, uh, as a team, build a civilization of love. Collaborate with each other to build a civilization of love, to build the, the kingdom of God as members of the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, every gift that is necessary is found in the body. So lean into every member of the body. Don't disregard any member. Don't say, I don't need to listen to your wisdom. I don't need your gifts. Like we need each other's gifts. If we're going to reform these laws, because if we don't reform these laws, then what happens is, is the practices that are still happening in our land and the policies that are still being written, even if you are a good person and a holy person and a kind person and, and a disciple of Jesus, then those laws might um, negatively affect you and they might turn you against other members of the body of Christ. So if we can reform the laws, then we could also pray for God's spirit to come down to reform our hearts as well. Like God, your spirit in prayer before the blessed sacrament and while we pray the litany of the body of Christ and while we pray the rosary of racial reconciliation, like your Holy Spirit will reform our hearts and our minds. But at the same time, like you're calling us as your body to be the agents to rewrite these laws, practices, and policies that continue to perpetuate a racial divide in, um, in our nation. This is a demon we're fighting against. So spiritual warfare is difficult. It's not going to be easy. We're probably going to be attacked. It's a supernatural, not supernatural. It's a, it's a demonic stronghold that is over our nation. And so it will require us to, to be really intentional uh, with being holy, with being in a state of grace. I, I can't, uh, again, say enough how necessary it is to repent, not only for our own sins, 
but to repent on behalf of other members of the body of Christ, to, to make reparation for other people um, in the body of Christ who have, who have inflicted pain and suffering on Jesus and, and, and his people of color in the United States of America. Uh, if, if, if we want to begin to collaborate well with each other, then these are just a few things that I would encourage us, uh, us to do. Uh, and so I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, again, these questions were sent to me by white Catholics, and that's why I addressed um, this answer, this, this response to white Catholics. Um, I could do another podcast addressing a number of different people in the body of Christ, but specifically white priest, white religious, and white laity have been reaching out to me, asking me, Father Josh, can you help us? We want to be a part of the solution. We want to be used by God to heal the racial divide. We want to bring about racial reconciliation. And these are just a few things I think that, that you can do to begin that process of, of healing the racial divide. And pray for me because I'm writing a book on this right now. I'm writing a book on it. And um, I need your prayers and your fasting as well because the devil does not want this book to come out. Uh, so those are a few things that I think you might find helpful. I trust that I am um, praying for you uh, and with you. And we have a chance, brothers and sisters, to console the heart of Jesus. He's suffering right now in his people. The body of Christ is suffering. Jesus Christ's body is suffering. And remember, 2,000 years ago, when he suffered in the agony of the garden, the apostles turned the other eye. They looked the other way. They chose their own comfort over being in solidarity with him. And right now, my white brothers and sisters in the body of Christ in the Catholic Church, you have an opportunity to console the heart of Jesus by reaching out um, to the suffering members of the body of Christ and collaborating with them, praying with them, fasting with them, working with them, listening to them, abiding with them uh, on earth. And if you can abide uh, with every member of the body of Christ on earth, uh, and right now I'm speaking specifically uh, to and about our black brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, then God will give you the grace to remain uh, with him and every member of the body of Christ in the kingdom of heaven for all eternity. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this special edition of um, Ask Father Josh. And, uh, and next week, I will respond to the many questions I've been getting over the past uh, month. All right, y'all. I love you very much. And um, yeah, I'm praying for you. And pray for me because, again, it's been traumatic for me to have to to to, re, to relive some of those experiences I've gone through over the years um, from seeing George Floyd um, die and from watching Ahmaud Arbery die and so many others. It's, it's bringing up my own trauma. And so please just pray for me as well right now as I continue to, to bring that to Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament and to spiritual direction. So God bless. I'll see you in the Eucharist.